0: Thank you for tuning in to the mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stared on moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to the Mile 40 podcast. Uh, The show continues on. And just a quick reminder to all the listeners out there if you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever your platform of choice is. Um, Really want to thank you all for continuing to show up uh, week in and week out. Today's guest is a friend uh, and someone who I'm really excited to have on, Terry White. He is the founder and CEO of Wollico. He graduated from Harvard in 2012, where he was the captain of the Division I lacrosse team. After two years in real estate development, he decided to venture down a path less traveled, and he founded Wollico. If you know me, you know me that I'm a big, big proponent of Wollico. If you've bought a copy of Break Barriers, you've seen Wollico on the cover. Uh, I'm also an investor in Wollico. I believe very deeply in the product. I I don't think that if you've seen me out on a run for maybe the last seven, eight years, you've seen me wearing anything that wasn't Woloco. So, um, Terry, thanks for joining today.
1: Of course. Pumped to be here.
0: Yeah, man. No, I'm really, really excited to have you here. Um, And I'm excited for my community to learn a little bit more about Woloco and learn about your journey building it. uh, Because I do get a lot of questions asked about uh, the company uh, in particular, from people who aren't you know runners or athletes who you know just ask, what is this company that you have on your book?" Um, and so let's dive into that. but uh, I think a good place to get started is you graduated college, you worked a little bit in real estate development. I remember uh, meeting you around that period in 2014, 2015 when we were attending those spin classes at Swerve. and I think the idea was just being formulated. Why don't we start there?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's sometimes hard to even uh, start there because I think at that point I, you know, I got, like I had a business, right? I think uh, I had a business. I think we were in maybe in the market or just kind of getting into the market. Um, but I often I think it's important. to, you know I I think usually brands like this, businesses like this, and I'd, I'd say my brand in particular, um, it's come from a place of passion. And, um, was a lot of meaning in my, my own personal experiences that ultimately, you know, birthed the brand. And yeah, I, I think on a personal level, I was a collegiate athlete. Um, and when I graduated and I was very passionate about that, like, I really loved the sport. I love the team. Um, and you know, even at a, a place like Harvard, I was so, you know, I, I incredible academic institution, but I just like. Got so excited and passionate about the sport. I think when when I graduated, in a lot of ways, uh, it was difficult to fill that void with traditional career tracks. And um, as a as a person, I just found you know entrepreneur. I think entrepreneurship in a way filled that void. I just became very excited um, by the prospect of uh, being able to create something uh, myself from scratch. And uh, in those years when I was dabbling in real estate and more traditional career tracks, I uh, I started to become very passionate about active lifestyle, um, and most importantly, the profound impacts that it had on me as a human. Um, as a young kind uh, of wide-eyed kid at a college, uh, I was ambitious, and I started to realize that if I could put these habits into practice, I'm sharper. Um, you know, I'm. You know, waking up with energy and getting to work, and I'm more effective, uh, better to the people in my life that I care about. Um, and I just became kind of obsessed with these profound the trend impacts. And, um, and then it was kind of kind of serendipitous that on a morning run, leaving my apartment in the city, um, I didn't have a convenient place to store my key, apartment keys, cash, phone, most importantly. And uh, I came up with the idea to put pockets, sweatproof pockets, on compression shorts. Um, and when that idea, when I had that idea, uh, the stars aligned because I was developing really strong passions and opinions about lifestyle, about how I wanted to live my life, um, and how I thought more people should be living their lives. Um, and at the time, I even thought about, you know, maybe I should go train people personally. Um, and learn how to do that, because I want to help people um, in this capacity, uh, but I just kept coming back to this idea of well, if I could build a brand and a business, then I can impact many, many more people kind of simultaneously um, by creating meaning through through that brand. So when I had the idea for the product, for me that that was the what I thought oh, you know this could be the catalyst because I have this this problem where I don't have a place to store things, and uh, a lot of other guys. Like myself, probably are having the same problem.
2: At that point in time, you know, a lot of times we
0: have these serendipitous moments and we come up with these ideas. Uh, But a lot of people kind of take a step back because in that very moment, if it was me, I'd be
2: asking myself, what do I know about retail? And the answer is, I know nothing. What did you know about retail in that moment? Yeah, I mean,
1: I I can appreciate it now more than ever that you know naivete is is powerful and actually can be used to your advantage. Um, and I think especially when you're younger and you have kind of that 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 hunger and that energy. Um, but I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know anything <laughs> about retail. I had some opinions about you know design. I uh, I've always been a creative per person um but you know not 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 in any extreme way i mean a p art in high school, studied art history in college um, and had kind of an eye for design, but um you know i like to, to build things I built kind of my college coffee table and summer projects and you know woodworking that sort of thing so i you know i had that that gene in my body for for creating um and at the end of the day you know building Apparel product uh, versus, you know, a coffee table. Not that different, but it takes. But you have to, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn um, by just kind of jumping into the fire, and and that's
2: what I did. What was the first step to getting the business rolling?
1: The first step for me, actually, at the time, we were obsessed with this idea of okay, compression shorts with pockets no one's really done it. Um, but, but have they, right? Like as far as we knew, they hadn't. Right. So the first step was patent. And this is what I learned through, you know, talk to a lawyer, you know, my, one of my best friends, dad's a lawyer. So we had some conversations with him and he directed us to the IP, IP team at his firm. And yeah, you know, you run it, you run a, a test you run a, um, a search. Is there anything out there that does this it's competitive it's going to preclude you from entering the market um and you know the the answer is no um and and then also you just kind of study the market you a lot of googling make sure nothing out there exists but realistically like even if there were a few other competitive products out there like it wouldn't really have been that big of a deal but but that's that like fear of like to your point like you're taught you're kind of um Insecurity is kind of talking back at you. Like, you can't do this. Someone else is doing it. You know, you're not, you're not allowed to do it. Someone has a patent. <laughs> um, but that was the first step to kind of, once we, once we broke through that, um, then it was Google. How do I make a garment? And I actually found a company in um, Minnesota, just a small shop of like pretty much like seamstresses, designers that um, actually built this business model where they would go out and work with entrepreneurs like myself people who had ideas but didn't have the technical expertise so i spent a year mailing product samples back and forth with minnesota so i'd go to work come home from work in the evening um with the expectation that 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 prototype might be with you know waiting with my doorman you know, run the doorman um and fire it up to open it up and like um, that was one of the cool things about about it all is that like I was just kind of like thriving, uh, being kind of that young, wide eyed, ambitious kid who had just graduated, played, you know, college sport. Now now, you know, the world is my oyster. And um, and in a lot of ways, like my active routine and like running, that's when all of that came alive. Like that's when I was the most fired up. Like kind of walk out my apartment. Run along, the, you know, I'm running the West Side Highway. I don't have class tomorrow. Like, I'm a free man and I'm, you know, I'm prototyping this product that I'm now wearing and testing. So, it's this very, you know, kind of to your point, like it's like a, a synergistic um, experience that was was pretty powerful. Um, and I did that, you know, feedback over email, never spoke to them on the phone once. Oh. Um, and, you know, you get that. And that's what got us to like, our first pre-sale Got it. and then I, you know, then you, you meet people and you go and find more sophisticated channels and suppliers and that sort of thing.
0: You know, starting from the scratch from scratch here,
2: um, I know you kind of alluded to your Kickstarter campaign. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and how that went?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, tied to the, that process that I have gone through, it was pretty scrappy, uh, I've just always been scrappy, but um and you know, like tracks back to even the way that I like played sports. you know, it just kind of was my personality. but um i I had a friend who really got me onto the concept of the lean startup.
3: Um, and this is just a
1: kind of a a thesis at that time. Which it's kind of changed. It's changed quite a bit because there's been this crazy rise of of venture capital over the past decade. That's just been um, it. It is like unprecedented. This the rate at which venture capital has been flowing into businesses. Um, But you know, like eight years ago, it wasn't anywhere near where it is now. Um, And it was at that time that there was just this idea of you know you're not. Necessarily launching a a rocket ship, you're driving a car, so you can you can try something and you can turn at low cost, and then like try something new and then turn, and you kind of wind your way into to, to your business that you then want to you know maybe maybe pour a little bit of funding in and, and go faster um, after the fact. But so you know that's why you know, we actually launched a small pre-sale ourselves. And the mentality was like, why raise money when we can just sell the product? And Kickstarter was very popular at the time. So consumers were, were getting comfortable with this idea that, yeah, I'll pay, and I'll fund the product, and then I'll I'll receive it several months later. And I'll trust, I'll trust that entrepreneur. So we capitalized on that um, and got you know got our product to a point where um, we're comfortable putting it into the market. And, um, I actually had a friend who would become a little bit of an advisor for me at that time. And, you know, I had been prototyping for over a year and, um, I showed him a sample. It's like the, you know, 15th sample. And, um, he's in my apartment and he's like, look, he's like, this is good. Like you're like, what are you waiting for? Like, just put this in front of people, sell it, uh, stop over, you know, being a perf, a perfectionist, and 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 again, it's part of that fear because I think one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur is you're like you're effectively pouring your guts out into the world. Yeah, like I created this. I put my my right. blood, sweat, and tears into this.
0: You're right, as much as I'm wearing woolaco, I'm really wearing Terry White as well. Like that's kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not a lot of people would see it that way if they don't know you, but the way that I see it, every time I put on uh, a pair of shorts or a Clinton tank. You know that there's if something goes wrong, nothing has gone wrong for the listeners out there. if something goes wrong, you mm-hmm. be thinking Terry. Uh, so yeah,
1: yeah, and we all have that insecurity. Like I think it's like it's just human nature that when you create something and then you go out and you share it with the world, yeah, um, it's scary. It's a scary moment. So sometimes you you know procrastinate on on um, on on just putting it out there. So yeah. you know, finally we did and we had a, a very successful campaign.
2: You know, I can't help but put on my shark tank brain
0: here. Uh, you know, because obviously the show has taken off over the last 10 years, if not more. I don't know how long it's been on now. But I could just imagine Kevin O'Leary looking at this product when it first came out, saying that, you know, like a Nike or an Adidas is gonna annihilate you and going to create the same exact thing and, and they have the money and 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 I'm sure that thought went through your mind back then. Um, Can you walk me through a little bit, like how you tackled that, approached that, and you know, did it scare you at the very beginning?
1: Yeah, no, it it actually it did. Um, And I think, you know, I was always anchored by a long term vision. Like I I think that's largely what's you know, in, in many many different ways, what's allowed me to persist through, um, you know, the, the bumps in the road, um, and even in a situation like that, uh, you know, that's part of the reason, you know, I, we, we did get a design patent on our first short. Um, and, you know, there's, there is, I'd say there's definitely a lot of validity to the idea of being a first mover. Um And moving
3: fast um and you know I
1: think, but I don't think that I think we give too much credit to the big guys to just kind of eat our lunch um in situations like that because you know there's you know, the kind of disruptor mentality and approach is to to take what you do and just do it better than they're willing to do it yeah. um and, you know, kind of continuing to innovate with in and around that. Um, because chances are they're, you know, they don't have the time, the energy or the willingness to even add, add that little extra cost to those products. Yeah. They're more interested in going the opposite direction, actually stripping out costs. Yeah. I think that's where we've ultimately been able to kind of win at, at what we do, at what we do best. Um, and then of course, right? Like, you know, you build a strong brand that has meaning. It can stand alone. And um, that's really ultimately the, the, um, the difference maker over the, over the long term.
0: Did you know early on that you wanted to become a premium product? Or were you thinking more about how can you get this in as many hands as possible um, early on in the, in the process? And did you have to iterate to
1: get to where you are right now? It's a good question because I think when, especially when as a first time entrepreneur, you're not, you're nowhere near as polished as, you know, I would be now in terms of thinking about the business um, premium versus not like I had an idea for, for product and innovation. And I was an athlete and I wanted to make an athletic, build an athletic brand. Yeah. I didn't think too much about where we really wanted to, settle into and in, in just kind of the overall market um, early on at least uh, but I think I would I would definitely say that I've always had um, yeah, I've always had a vision for building a brand that's definitely uh, you know on the premium end of the spectrum like deep down when I think about it and I think about kind of what my vision was early has always been um, a lot of what I've a lot of my inspiration actually early on came from you know, living down in Tribeca with a couple of friends in a one-bedroom apartment where we just put up a t-wall and I was able to actually reverse commute out to New Jersey uh, but it was important for me to live in New York City because I could start to incubate this concept on the side. If I'm in New York, I can get coffee on weekends and you know, grab a beer with, with somebody to to talk about product development or whatever, but um, but yeah, so it was um, never the first thing on my mind. But I think subconsciously, the fact that I lived inspired by Tribeca specifically and New York City, um, and kind of the 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 buzz and the energy of kind of that ambitious lifestyle, which um, in a lot of ways I think has kind of pulled us into that premium pocket uh, of consumers and no pun intended but like pocket because our, oh. our products are not um and, you know products are not cheap but at the same time it's um you know we're not we're not buying we're not buying there's no such thing as a free lunch right like we're not buying cheap fabric we're not buying cheap materials and it's just, you know that's the way it goes
0: oh you're absolutely right and, and for the listeners out there for context you know if you guys were to look at the woloco website you'd notice that a lot of the, the gear um, is named after streets here in Manhattan specifically um, near in and around Tribeca um, and so that's some context for the listeners there so they they understand the roots there um so we talked a little bit about you know how things get started um and you know I know in knowing you over the last several years that um it wasn't necessarily the most direct path to where you are today. Um, and there was a lot of learning moments along the way. Um, so let's kind of just walk through the journey a little bit, um, you know, from like 2015 up until
2: COVID, if you can give us just a, a little update on, on how the business grew then.
3: Yeah, I think um, for us in the
1: early years, we, again, you know, tracking back to, mindset around kind of the lean startup and and really um m- taking that very literally um we relied heavily on organic growth tactics um and in a lot of ways you know i've always wanted to build an authentic brand it's a, that's a word that's always been extremely important to me um, and sometimes what that means is like really putting your your actions where where your mouth is and um So as a result, we were able to, you know, one of the things that I think being in New York City, especially over that span of time, um, 2015 to to, to up to 2020, was one of the more exciting, I think, periods of time here in the city, especially surrounding wellness, um, active lifestyle, and really just the industry surrounding it. Um, And New York City became the hub. If you wanted to be a fitness instructor and wanted to be the best, that's where you would go um you move in from you know, the you know, middle america and you you go and you give it your shot and the same it's the same idea with um like boutique fitness concepts you, you uh you go to New York and that's where the critical mass is and you try to make it work um and then you you know expand into the different markets thereafter so there's a really incredible buzz that I think we were able to to tap into and be a part of. Um, So lots of partnerships with influencers locally, and then also different fitness concepts. Uh, And then we launched um, what, you know, what I believe is, was one of the biggest and definitely kind of a pioneer in the world of like community fitness concepts um, called Woloka Wednesday, uh, which really started as a, is a something I would do with um, like an employee or two, and then my friends and and some like close friends of the brand. And um, on Wednesdays we go and we we do kind of like a, a body weight kind of boot camp style circuit um, at the pier Pier Twenty Five in Tribeca. And um, we started started to build momentum. So you know internally at the, at the company we said, you know, let's do this every Wednesday. And let's actually let's bring in some great fitness talent and fitness instructors that align with the brand, that have good energy. Um, and let's have them run, run the workouts. And it was a very kind of mutually beneficial partnership. Um, because you know, we didn't, we had, there was a zero budget activation other than you know our time, which is, which is valuable, um, and expensive, but, um, and you know, and then the you know fitness fitness instructor would have great exposure to a pocket of, of like-minded people in New York City. Um and then we would capture a lot of content and um yeah, you know, we grew grew this by um by showing up consistently for um I mean a, a couple of years, I'd say 2018, 2019, consistently. Uh and then in the winter we would go into different studios, boutique studios in New York City. Um, so we built a really nice like, email list and community in new york um and uh yeah uh, at the at the at the max we were seeing two hundred maybe even gotten close to two fifty at one of our biggest events out on the turf in Tribeca people um and it was fun um but but you know a lot of a lot of energy um and again, you know, I think like. Uh, even in that process, I learned that um, running a business like mine, is a digitally native business, there's there are other ways to to grow that are not that not, do not require all of the energy of your entire team um, every week. Uh, so you know, we the pandemic hit, and um, it was an opportunity for me to like do a little bit of reorganizing. Um, but what we learned and, you know, the growth that we experienced from, from that uh, kind of activation, um, is invaluable. It served its its purpose, but it also created meaning for the brand. And, um, you know, we have carried it forward, um, but we're actually in the process of, of figuring out how to like repackage it, um, to be something that we can do sustainably and also maybe even bigger in select select scenarios uh and environments moving forward
0: yeah there's um building community is is tricky right like and, and actually um there's a guest coming on the show um who uh wrote a book called the business of belonging and it's all about uh building communities as a business uh, mm-hmm. and um from a from a bottom line perspective it it's it's not it's not black and white with regards to the translation of building community, whether it be digitally or in person or however it's done, to how it mm-hmm. translates to the overall well being and growth um, and sustainability uh, of the business. Uh, undoubtedly, you know, I think the one thing is that community is important, um, but you know, it's clear that you guys have taken it to yourselves to assess how to go about creating that community in a way that's sustainable um for the longer term uh, of the business sure. throughout that throughout that period that activation period look on the outside um you know I was very present throughout all that I saw everything that you were doing um and uh as a community member it was a lot of fun but again I wasn't on the inside of the business so I'm interested someone on the inside of the business and in particular you as the CEO um what was some of, what were some of the challenges during that four or five year period um that you had to kind of face, especially as you started to see people embrace you know woco Wednesdays, and in the back of your mm-hmm. mind, you're thinking, you know
2: maybe I need to figure out a way to restructure this
1: Ah <laughs> uh, I mean it's that's a really good question i you know it at times, right, it was euphoric, it's exactly what I wanted to be doing, and it's ex- exactly. Um, I mean, it's humbling to see that many people showing up to these workouts, the majority of them probably, and didn't even know who I was. Right. So it was like kind of cool to just be in the, the thick of it with like 200 people that are just like there for a free workout and there for the energy, but like, and I'm just there doing it with them. And they literally no idea that it's, it's my company. Um, so it was, you know, very humbling. in in that regard. And sometimes actually like, just like weird, you know? Um, But, you know, so euphoric for a lot of reasons, but at the same time, I think um, there were moments where, and I think it's just like pretty classic entrepreneur, entrepreneurial um, experience, but know other things weighing on my mind right which is what happens to entrepreneurs you know whether it's related to money um or even like performance maybe we're in a performance slump um and i I feel that more than anyone um and you know more than my team and obviously people that have absolutely no idea um what's going on behind the hood so, you know, you have this kind of, you set the standard and I honestly, I, I think I missed one, we we'll look at Wednesday when I was like traveling, maybe like two when I was like traveling, but I was just very stubborn about showing up for like every single one and I wouldn't give myself a break. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there, there are times when, when you're there and there's, you know, you're dealing with, with some troubles internally. Um, and even to your point, like towards the end, um, where you know I' probably started start to realize how much energy um it required, and on top of it, I'd say going into 2020, like even before the pandemic hit, we were in a little bit of a tricky financial spot, you know, the turn of a new year, thinking about, hmm, we're in a tough spot here. We spent a lot of energy on this like activation concept, you know, maybe we need to be a bit more calculated about where that energy goes and what, you know, what we get back in return as a business. So, you know, I think ultimately that's one of the, the biggest, and this is something that became kind of a theme. It's funny how things happen, right? Like, um, that became a theme even through, through the year of 2020, when I had a lot more headspace the world kind of stopped yeah afforded me that time to do a bit of construction and thinking um and one of the big themes themes was okay energy in and um return on that on that energy yeah. and how can we measure how can we measure those things?
2: hey
0: all it's me Bishoy. As a marathon runner and endurance athlete, I've come to understand the importance of properly fueling your body for preparation and recovery. Every day you get a shot at success. How you start your day typically paints a picture of what the rest of the day will look like. Start your day with a super convenient, healthy, and delicious nutritional win. Meal one by Creatures of Habit. Overnight oatmeal packed with 30 grams of plant-based protein, chia, flax, and pumpkin seeds. Vitamin D3, omega-3s, a probiotic, and digestive enzymes. Made in under one minute. Stop wasting time or worrying about what to eat as your first meal of the day. Start with meal one. Visit CreaturesOfHabit.com, Creatures spelled with a K, and use code MILE40 for 15% off a one-time purchase or the first subscription order payment. You know, before we dive into 2020 and and COVID, when you first were thinking about the idea of Olico, right? And you you thought you had a product that you could sell out there, you realized that, or you were energized by the idea of being an entrepreneur um, and being able to promote this idea of an active lifestyle. Um, Obviously... You know, this was going to be your first go at being a CEO and a founder. Um, Were you more enthralled by the idea of building a product to help the masses? And did you at that point think about uh, what it would be like to run a company if things went well, knowing that, you know, all of a sudden you were going to have to manage? external community you're gonna have to manage internal stakeholders meaning the people that will be reporting to you You you're going to have to manage investors you're going to have to fundraise Um, did you take all that into account and it was i'm i'm guessing the answer like you learned a lot along the way but um what i'm trying to kind of get at here is um as a ceo what was really driving you was it you know Putting the message out there, pushing an active lifestyle, seeing people empowered, um, or was it about you know growing a massive company and eventually
2: you know selling it off or whatever your exit strategy will be?
1: Um, well, I guess one thing I would say is well, there, uh, maybe kind of like two two questions there. One, like the first thing I'd say is definitely was not thinking about what uh the weight of what i would have to carry um across you know the business from the front end of the brand and the product all the way to the back end and the financials and everything all the responsibility that goes into it like of course not especially since i you know as a first-time entrepreneur it's very difficult to unless you've gone to some kind of special
3: curriculum entrepreneurship and business um
1: but Definitely not. And I think what I've learned, um, probably, you know, in the past, like two years, like three, you know, two, or three years, that there's a major difference between being like a founder entrepreneur and a CEO. Um, and I think, you know, one of the most important things to do as your business starts to get bigger and like you kind of get over that a little bit of that inflection period is just to, is to start thinking more like a CEO um and you know largely what goes along with that is being able to able and willing or um or making it a necessity that you bring people in around you that are genuinely better than you at those particular areas because it's impossible for one person to to be the best at you know at all of these different things. And at the end of the day, it's, it's your time. time is finite. So, yeah, I think really one of the things I've really been become better at is like just taking, really taking it to heart. I think early on as an entrepreneur, you're a little bit, you have a little bit of like hubris, um, because you've created this thing from scratch. Um, And, you know, the idea of someone understanding your vision better than you is like, doesn't really make sense. But then, you know, eventually, you know, the sooner you can get over that hump and say, yeah, like I need all the experts. Yeah. Like every, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you're only doing yourself a favor. You know, as a founder, it lifts, you know, personally, I think all founders are a little different, but like for me, I'm more product and, and brand. So that lifts me up if I've got great people in the right places to go and focus on things that I'm I'm really good at. So I can drive, drive the brand, drive the business and the product forward and evolve it. So yeah, I don't... I, I think there might have been a, a second part to that, but I, I, um, forgetting where I wanted to go.
0: The second part of the question was really around when, when you started this, did you it, want you know, based on where your interests were, did you want to really just kind of focus on um, the mission around lifestyle? Um, and, and was that the vision? Or was it, you know, like a, a CEO vision of, you know, I want this thing to scale. And I want this thing to get to a point where, um, you know, financially, however you want to exit, uh, you know, whatever that is, you know, that was the goal.
2: Um, and did that change along the way?
1: Yeah, so I've always definitely been perhaps to a, an extreme, more about the um the long term purpose of what we're building. Um you know, the impact that I wanted I wanted to have on people and customers. Um and less yeah, I always say like it's the, um, the business has very organic origin and, you know, compared to someone who maybe went to a, you know, like a, like a Stanford came out of a Stanford incubator where like the exit is built into the, yeah. into the initial business plan. My mindset was always like, let's build something of meaning. Let's, it's, you know, make it big. Like, I want to, like, I want to do this for a long time. Um, I'm not even really thinking about that. Because if we build something of meaning, that's valuable to people, you know, someone will want to buy it at some point. Um, so yeah, I definitely took that to an extreme. And I think particularly through the past few years, I've, I've realized that you know, that's all, that's all good and well, but like, you know, business is a business. yeah, And you can't create that meaning.
3: Um, and you know, yeah.
1: You can't have that impact on people if your business can't survive. <laughs> right. Um, so it's important to really think about it that way. And, you know, so I've definitely shifted my mentality. I think you can absolutely have both, but um, and that you know kind of ties into to thinking more like a CEO. Um, you know, putting milestones in place and, you know, working back against those milestones to to drive the business forward. And ultimately if, if you know. If the business grows we can reach more people um and have greater impact and that's also perspective that i gained on community building right like we've got great products people fall in love with the products how can we get more products in more people's hands and then you know that's the foundation of of our community it's people that they need to have you know it's helpful if they can have the product so yeah you know learned a lot awesome that's yes,
2: um
0: let's let's pick up now from from COVID, right so we, we talked about the build-up to 2020, and for background for the listeners out there, there was no physical store. so everything you were doing was selling online, right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, we had a, um, you know, a like a live work setup um, where we would run it as a showroom occasionally and then um, pop-ups here and there one, po- one large pop-up in particular, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, no, we didn't have a, didn't have a lease on a retail, retail space.
0: So when COVID hit, um, you know, one might think that from the outside, but again, me sitting there as, as someone who decided once March, 2020 hit, I was going to start running hundred mile months because all of a sudden now I had all this extra time. I was thinking to myself, wow, this must be Great for a company like Walco because if, if I'm thinking like this, maybe other people are thinking like this,
2: and you know that means a, a lot of sweating and a lot of sh- I'm going to need a lot of backup gear right here. But was that the case?
1: Um, I mean, not right away, but um, it was really interesting to see. I mean, as I as I alluded to before, um, we were in a in a precarious position to start the year.
3: And, um, so, yeah, I think it was probably the, the, um, not the right word is, but
1: like the most, the first time I really thought, hmm, maybe, maybe this is it, right. Which, you know, I, I'm a very like fierce kind of, yeah. I'll figure things out. Like we're, we're going to, you know, um, so to, to to truly get into that and i you know i was young enough that like i never really like the fear of failing never was never very was never grave to me like i never felt a grave that I can actually feel um and i'd say for the first time beginning started of 2020 I, I actually had those feelings and um
3: and then the world stopped
1: on top of it so you know you had like a week there where we we're already in a difficult place and uh, you know on top of it i you know, founded the business really really launched this 2015 and we've been riding a nice you know economic growth track yep. right like the economy had never experienced really any serious downturn um over that span of time so, you know, we hadn't been tested in that capacity. So, you know, as far as I'm, and you hear, you know, at that point, you hear heard horror stories of you know companies that had to, you know, not even real estate business, just businesses that were wiped out in you know, 2008. Absolutely. Um, it's bad timing. So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, here we go. There's a downturn. This is, this is it. Like, I don't know how we're going to, uh, you know, and you saw the, you saw your kind of online sales and, and site traffic start to just kind of yeah. dip. And, um, we ended up, um, so we ended up kind of in this limbo period for a, few, for a week and, and, um, everyone kind of re- started to move into like remote living situations. And, and then kind of in the following weeks, um, things started to change um and uh sales started to pick up um you know like and you know as as time went on you you learn that um people similar to you um were
3: i think in a state of like health being
1: so important and the heightened awareness around that um and just i don't know like just the existential like crisis that we're all in like it, i i think it's telling about kind of the human condition that that we we gravitate towards taking care of ourselves right when shit hits the fan even when when things might be bad you might lose your job like like okay crap i'm going to i'm going to go like i'm going to take care of number number one here i'm going to invest in myself that's all i've got and that's all that matters I think you saw a lot of that and and obviously other other factors shopping online um and um and you know people going home with a little suitcase and then you know never not having uh enough long uh, enough clothes for for the week so yeah, so you know we saw sales picked up and it, it um it kind of it's effectively saved the business and i honestly i can't describe it as anything other than like a gift because not only did it lift sales, but it, the world stopped. So even if I was in like a precarious financial situation, maybe with like a vendor or something I had flexibility all of a sudden
3: Yeah,
1: there was like grace. So I was able to navigate and kind of retool certain things. And, um, there's time for me to like, kind of do the construction, um, on my own and, uh, and yeah, you know, business was profitable throughout the year, but still very, very, very difficult. Um, a lot of difficult things and decisions that were made, but you know, that's, and that was part of becoming profitable was making hard decisions while we had a little bit of a lift from just the universe.
2: Was that period to date? The more difficult period you have had to deal with um from uh, you know running the business,
1: yeah, I think it has to be, yeah, I think it has to be uh, yeah, there continue to be challenges it's uh even right you know right now is not, not the best environment to be you know operating running a startup because a lot of you know a lot of what I alluded to around um kind of the rise of venture capital has actually kind of hit its boiling point. I think the bubble has kind popped a little bit on on that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I definitely feel, um, you know, we are more in control and yeah, you know, largely because of the experiences that we went through in 2020. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's definitely, that was definitely the most difficult period of time, both yeah. in business, but just, just emotionally, just like gut, yeah. you know, gut wrenching.
0: Yeah, I mean that. That's where I was gonna go next. Around like, y- you know had to lead emotionally, right? And and so again, you you are an athlete. You you know you 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 have the the leadership skills like innately in you. But I think that even throughout this podcast, it, people need to understand like the the ups and downs were were constant throughout the last several years. It wasn't you know like waves of like. You know, three, four months good, three, four months bad. It was like, every, um, I have to imagine, like every day or every other day, there was probably something else popping up uh, that was probably taking you um, in a different direction. And so, did you feel prepared to lead the business and the team or, or what the team was at that point emotionally, um, you know, throughout that? Like, for example, we had Eric Posner on uh, a previous episode, um, and he talks about what they went through uh, with Swerve during COVID, and and some of the uh, obligations he felt he had toward his team, um, and how he approached it uh, during that period. Um, I'd love to dig into, you know, how equipped you felt you were to lead emotionally.
2: You know, take business aside.
1: I mean, to your to your earlier point, um, there have been a lot of difficult
3: periods leading up to that point. So, i had to stomach some, you know, pretty just intense things
1: over the years, and um, so you know, I kind of knew how to go there. And um, in many, you know, many instances, you're
3: getting on a Zoom with the team putting on a,
1: putting on a pretty face, um, not, not being disingenuous in any way, but still like strong, right. Acknowledging the realities of the situation, but like strong and, you know, we confident that that there's a
3: way, right. There's a way out. Um,
1: I mean, yeah, to your point though, like even just as an example of, of things that I, been through even leading up to that point. We had plenty, plenty of like financial challenges. And I really think that money is probably one of the hardest, at least just personally when in a difficult money situation. I think there are very few things that like affect the human condition, at least for me, than that. <coughs> um, but in 2019, the fall of 2019, we actually went to... Um, we made it all the way to the final made it all the way to film day for Shark Tank.
2: That's right. I remember that. Yes. Um,
1: and again, this is September 2019. Yeah. So then we run into some kind of financial troubles there at the end of the year. And then it's 2020. So, you know, back to back to back. And I, um, you know, I had decided and I had never really put my hat in the ring for Shark Tank. This, this was the first time a producer had kind of come through and, I was like, you know, yes, this could be, there, there's, you know, Shark Tank is kind of the, it's like the modern day Oprah. Yep. It's the only real program that has that much viewership that could really drive that much impact for consumer business. Yep. And um, so in my mind, it was worth taking a run at it. Um, but there's a lot of sacrifice really just in like your energy and your time to prepare for it. It takes a lot of preparation. Um, and nothing is guaranteed. So you get like, there's probably like four, like five big milestones throughout the process and you can be cut at any point in time. And then even if, if, and when you do film an episode of shark tank, they don't need to air it.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's right.
1: So it's, it's a complete gamble. And I knew that, like, I knew that it was, but you know, we made it all the way to filming the day of filming. So we were scheduled to film the sharks in front of the sharks, um, an episode. And, um, the way they do it is they've got 10 slots in a day, but really they only have time for like nine. Okay. So they throw on the 10th for some extra content because each of these filming periods go anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour. And then they edit it down to like five minutes. So we were scheduled 10th. We didn't really know that that's, we had maybe heard cause we talked to some other people that they, 10th wasn't the best place to be. Um, but partially just because the sharks would be cranky and tired at the end of the day. Um, so we go through everything, hair and makeup. We did a pre-pitch to the entire production team and then they scheduled us and, um, go throughout the entire day and watch people go and come back from the set, like crying and happy and whatever. And then, um, it's our turn to go up and the, uh, we're supposed to be picked up by a golf cart, but instead the producer comes to us on a golf cart. And she just says, um, this was the worst part of my job, but, um, uh, you know, we, we ran out of time. Oh, wow. Um, so we, know. uh, it's the last day filming first for that season. Um, and literally on our way out, like literally we had a whole set design, you know, pack up the set into a car and, um. we had to go get our car they weren't gonna you know arranging any kind of transportation there's like sorry see ya (laughs) and and then we're like driving out and we see like kevin o'leary and you know mark cuban walking over to the um yeah the production party they have like a party at the end of this this season like okay great have fun um anyway so you know you've been through a lot but lots of things happen you just and that in itself was like such a hollow feeling at the end of that so I've been through these like, uh, Oh my God uh, moments. And, um, yeah, but you know, in 2020 it was, um, definitely a different animal and I'd say more deeply than ever, I I questioned, um, myself, my, my capabilities, am I really capable? Like, you know, I've been doing this for five years at that point. Like, am I, am I, am I what I thought I was? (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's difficult, but I think, you know, that's you. Fortunately, I think I'm, I'm wired in, in a way. And I think you know, many entrepreneurs are that when those things happen, you kind of like it sucks and then you find, and then you use that feeling to propel you into kind of like a competitive mindset. Like, I'll sh- like, I'll show you, um, yeah. in a lot of ways, that's, that's kind of what I, what I did. And I was great, in a way I was grateful of, of this time. I was like, oh my God. I had this time to figure it out. Yeah. Like I was gifted that.
2: Absolutely. No,
0: thank you so much for sharing that Shark Tank story. Cause I didn't know that I, I knew something didn't work out, but I didn't realize that's what happened. And like, I'm, I'm personally a believer that when things like that happens, it, it's essentially the universe telling you that there's some, there's your time is coming. Like it's not right now, but your time is coming and um, maybe you were saved from something uh essentially uh by not having that having it happen then um you know on on a lighter note i gotta ask was was the pitch going to be entertaining was it
1: yeah uh yeah it would have been good i mean i think to your point like we we had a a team that would have been on stage and it could have gone a lot of different ways let's just put let's just put it that way yeah So, you know, we might have been been saved in some capacity, Um, but, you know, often making things interesting is really, that's good television. So I do think if we got out there for better or worse, we probably would have gotten an an episode on to air uh, if we were were in.
0: I I had to imagine based on what I know of who the cast may have been, I had to imagine between you and everyone else, that had to have been uh, a good a good show for the sharks. Um, yeah. You know, we're about to round things up, and so I just want to ask you: you're, you're approaching ten years now. How proud of you are you of what you've built? You know, and if there's one potential shortcoming that you're kind of like looking to either lean into or really
2: focus on, what would you say that is?
1: I'm proud. Um, I, you know, definitely never, I think as a, like someone, especially through my college days, like I really didn't know what I want to do, where, you know, where I might be. Um, but I always had kind of, um, a feeling that I go and try and do something different. And I'm really proud that I've been able to at least kind of pave my own way and like, um, express myself. I think that's a, a big part of this for me is like an expression of um what I believe in. Um and I'm just the kind of person that if
3: if I had to suppress that um in a different kind of
1: kind of suppress my purpose and what I you know those things that I believe in to go and do something more traditional, I just would never be whole. Um, but it's also not to say that like you can't you know there are ways to find that purpose that aren't tied to your career and i think that's something that i um, i've definitely come to appreciate later but i think early on especially like i i always was very fixated on this idea that like whatever i do professionally like needs to be so closely aligned with who i am and what i care about which i think moving forward i'll have a, a different perspective on that just in life generally um because it's also can be tricky when you you intertwine those two things um your livelihoods based on something that you care so deeply about Um, but yeah i think you know but as it relates to like where i'm at i think i would my biggest thing is probably a little bit more of what we've talked about doing more of what we've talked about which is like really being a ceo um making continuing to make the right like hard business decisions and surrounding myself with really smart people who have been through it, um, they can help me do that fast. Um, so that time doesn't, you know, time doesn't pass and that we're you know, thinking about it,
3: you know, retroactively. So, um,
1: yeah, just professionalizing, bringing smart people in and around me, you know, we built a, a you know, really strong brand uh, we got great supporters, and just want to keep building, you know, building up the business for for those people that that believe in, you know, that believe in it.
2: Love that. Last question I have for you today: What
0: did you learn in those dark darker moments of this trajectory um, that you're going to really kind of lean into and? Uh, whether it's something that you learned about yourself as a leader, something you learned about uh running a business, something that you learned about um, uh, managing, you know, different stakeholders. Um, what what have you learned that you could kind of advise someone out there whether it be something about yourself uh who is probably where you were in 2014-2015? uh, coming up with an idea right now that they're not sure, uh, they want to bring to the masses.
1: There'd probably be some mix between,
3: um, yeah, some mix between people, like, again, like the people that, you know, uh, yeah. How you build your team. Um, and (laughs) yeah you how you send i would
1: i would weigh in on on kind of the importance of of bringing you know maybe not hire not hiring emotionally you know hiring out of you know utility and fit but not in an overly emotional way um, because that is gonna make as the business grows as the stakes get get higher um then you've got this kind of fuzzy middle ground that make it harder for you to make decisions and operate, um, operate the business. Um,
3: and then the other thing would just be that just, yeah, think
1: about the business from the ground up. I think usually if if you're anything like me, the there will be no shortage of passion, right. And kind of that vision. Like that that's going to be there but get into the get into the weeds understand the fundamentals um sooner than later
2: awesome terry thank you so much man it was a pleasure having you on today a lot of good insight from
0: from from you on just your trajectory personally and how you built this company from the ground up and again to all the listeners out there understand that you know I firmly believe in Woloco and everything that they're doing. It's a company that I hold very dearly with regards to my mission. And I really just want to say thank you for coming on today,
1: Terry. Awesome. Thank you. And I haven't had a ton of time to share. I haven't, I haven't reflected enough on some of these times. So I'm, I'm happy I had the opportunity to, to do it. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the mile 40 family and let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.